Hey guys and welcome to Sounds Like NYC, the only podcast dedicated to spotlighting New York City talent. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, we have somebody who wrote for Jersey Shore. <laughs> uh, William Benson, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'll defend myself immediately by saying I didn't write anything <laughs> for Jersey Shore, but they did use some music. Um, well, my name is William Benton. I mostly operate under the name Cat Casual and a band... Um, that I front Cat Casual and the final word. And I've been in bands like the Phantom Family Halo and Lucky Pineapple, which had some some uh, some dubious uh, TV show affiliations. And uh, I played with the wonderful Shilpa Ray, and among others, collaborated with various people. That's awesome. I, I mean, I remember when we were talking a couple like months ago. It mm-hmm. was. You, you told me that you started playing the guitar at 16, and then, like, in two years, you started gigging. Did I recall that correctly? I think it was quicker than that. And um, I started it's playing nuts. bass, actually. And I really owe it to my high school friend, who uh, was just so good, and I was so naive mm-hmm. that I had to catch up, probably if I had a more realistic and experienced. So, because there was, I grew up in rural Oklahoma, so there wasn't too many shows to go to. For sure. So it's like, well, this guy's that good, so you got to get that good. Mm-hmm. And so I had to catch up to his level. And uh, so I was, was kind of grateful. Not that, not, mm-hmm. also, sometimes I feel like that I got uh, as proficient as I am now mm-hmm. <laughs> quickly and never, never got very far past <laughs> that. I always like for me. It's always like interesting. Like, do do you feel like it'd be easier for someone like in a small town to get recognized versus someone like in like if let's say you were doing the same thing in New York City? I don't know, and especially with I'm just I'm old enough that I'm in that category of like an analog upbringing, digital world, and how mm-hmm. we're especially I think my generation's a little insane because of that. Which is to say that my perspective is not a very good one, <laughs> um, but for all the things that are nightmarish about the social media and the internet and, and whatever else, it's just also, uh, it's, it's amazing the opportunities that are there. And it, I don't know, I, th- I think it doesn't matter so much where you're from sometimes um, as far as how you're marketing and, and whatever. Now, New York's crucial to me because I love that it's this intersection for the world in right. so many ways. So sure. that's what's huge to me. And, and I probably overhype that because of where I come from, where there was nothing, and I feel like the first... Yeah, what do you do in Oklahoma? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that <laughs> out. When I go back, I've had to go back a lot of late because my father passed, and oh, I'm kind of like... Condolences. Uh, yeah, just reacquainting myself with the place, and I've, I've found a lot of really amazing people and things there, and then also all the grim reminders of um, the things that didn't really jibe with my lifestyle and mm-hmm. and um, and what I wanted to do. So. Gotcha. I mean, I like. It, it's also like interesting for me because, like, you know, being born and raised here, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't really see myself going anywhere else because I feel like I already have all the experiences or whatever, like here in the city. Right. But you like to tour a lot. Yes. You know what right. I mean? So, so what about that? I, I guess do you like? It's yeah, it's fun. I, I think I can only kind of owe it to what I was kind of alluding to there, which is I have a real problem with feeling like the first 18, 20 years of my life hardly counted because Mm -hmm. there was just nothing. It was, um, there's a similar perspective there. A lot of people can't imagine leaving 
there. When I go back, right. it's like, how do you live in those big, scary cities? And yeah. I'm like, no, this is the scariest fucking place I've ever been <laughs> in my life right here. And um, um, and I grew up thinking that way. I grew up with out of really out of books, films, and records. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as I worked for a year out of high school on uh, in the oil field, an oil rig, and because that's the most lucrative way to For sure. you know make money, but also it was there was just no way. Yeah. The guy told me once that I was such a good worker, and he's like, "Man, you're a lifer. You're gonna do this for the rest of your life." And there was no better way to kick me All in the right. ass. All right. Like I'm out of here. I now. was gone within a few months of that because <laughs> it really sort of detonated that this could be the rest of your mm-hmm. life, sort of thing. Not the, you know, never, you know, I have plenty of, my father worked in the oil field and such, and um, and the poor guy, he had two sons and were both like, like me, you know, <laughs> books and, and records and, and just nerds and, yeah. and creative types, and he was truck driving, race car driving, chain smoking vet, <laughs> but he was always super supportive, and uh, awesome. I really, uh, his passing, I always knew he was great, right. and 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 unusual in a lot of ways as far as that goes but uh his passing really hit home how lucky we really were that he didn't you know chastise us for for sure who we were i mean it it sounds like your your dad was like a big influence in you more more than i realized and it's such a cliche but yeah his passing really kind of hit that home and i think my work ethic definitely comes from him which is um, that's another part of New York that really mm-hmm. resonates with me is like, I got to keep going. I got to keep moving. I got to keep, you know, and, uh, when I can't I really think the past year with the pandemic and the shutdown, uh, just made it even more feverish that man, I got a lot of work to do yeah, sure. kind of spooked me because I also in sitting around and not being able to go anywhere or do uh-huh. anything and the creative faculties kind of shut down too, because I think things like touring and meeting people mm-hmm. and seeing things, that's that's an essential part of the mechanism. And not having that and just sitting around and, and uh, you know, just getting, you know, completely, like, when's this going to end? And I'm just getting, like, tired and, and gaining weight and, <laughs> and, and just really out of my element in every way. And so it's time to bust ass and get back to work and, and do everything. So. Time to get back to work. <laughs> it is, and uh, I've definitely done just that. I, um, I also DJ classic country records, so I was able to live stream and get some grocery money that way with that, but now I'm doing three of those gigs a week, or have been in mm-hmm. Louisville, and now I'm trying to, and of course I had the radio show, Radio Free Brooklyn, a radio show in Louisville, so even when I say I'm not doing anything, I was still like, right. still doing a lot, but but also it's time to to write songs and try to get on the road or something. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just like how you're wired because I'm sort of the same way. Like I could have like from outside, it looks like I'm going left and right doing things, mm-hmm. you know, but like genuinely I feel like, damn, I wish I, I could do, be doing more. Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah. because like I guess like when you, when you like what you do, you just want to do as much of it as possible. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, I can't. I can't operate any other way. I've I've dabbled in respectable careers, mm-hmm. uh, and like uh, as a musician, uh, hospitality always did kind of served me well. Where mm-hmm. when I wasn't touring or something, go to work at a hotel, and that 
was a great place to meet people from all over. It's like instead of seeing the world, the world's kind of coming to you. For sure. So I fell into that and uh, had had some great and terrible experiences there. <laughs> but um, that said, when you're there and doing that, it's like, well, I, this is something I could do for the rest of my life, but mm. I cannot do this, like just this, and it's so demanding. So uh, I'm just kind of doomed for this sort of <laughs> loser existence of... <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is it? It's, it is what it it's, is. As a friend of mine, the great Tim Delonge, a singer-songwriter in Louisville, said to another friend when he was griping about it all, he's like, oh, Hawk, don't worry about it. You'll be dead soon. <laughs> and that is kind of a mantra. Kind of comfort, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all going to not matter pretty well. Yeah, right. Somebody else uh, read somewhere a, a motto I'd never heard before was the dead the dead are the first to forget you. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it applies, but it's something that keeps ringing in my head. <laughs> Get that tattooed somewhere. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. By the way. So, like, because you, 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 you tour, you've toured as a band, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then you also do DJing. It's like, what are the differences in that? You know what I mean? Because you're still, like, when you're, when you're playing live, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're still, I guess, getting that sort of reaction. Yeah, and I think that's probably... The only way I can reconcile that is to say I've done some more, uh, how would we say, proper DJing. Mm-hmm. And I can't say it did a lot for me. It was only when um, the my classic country music of my youth mm-hmm. kind of came, you know, came back into early aughts. You know, I went a long time just getting deeper into the underground mm-hmm. and you know, psychedelia and punk rock and art rock and obscurities. And then Waylon Jennings passed away in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. And I think my brother and I both, I think that was a moment where it's like, oh, you know, this music that meant a lot to me when I was younger that I haven't been listening to because I really didn't like popular country music uh, right. you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Caused me to go back to that stuff. And I always wanted to have a like, DJ that stuff. And it was so uncool that that was kind of cool to me, which mm-hmm. is like, what would, how would that go? And um, so I kind of pushed for it. And uh, it's been amazing. It just ramps. It just keeps ramping up, and I have a massive collection of those records because they were never worth enough to sell. <laughs> I did love them. And every time I got poor, I always had to sell like valuable records. Well, right. those were you know these are things come from the dollar bin mostly yeah. and stuff. But uh, still, it's this really meaningful music to me when it's good, and uh, that has influenced my music so much as far as like more of a a uh, very direct narrative mm-hmm. stories stuff like that that comes from when i think country music is really good mm-hmm. but yeah doing something for a crowd there's either people there to see country music and they don't know dj culture mm-hmm. <laughs> so it can it would drive a real dj nuts how they're right. always just like what is this yeah. what are you doing and right. how and, and then of course they always have requests which is another taboo but <laughs> i'm okay with all that because they really are and, and they just love it. Right. Or there's people that are a little more hip and, and just think it's bizarre that I'm doing those records. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of get all kinds. And it's so much fun. And then the radio shows came as a result mm-hmm. in Louisville and then Radio Free Brooklyn. And it's been great. And, but at the same time, then people ask if the band has gone country or something. Like, right. No, not at all. <laughs> That's just a different side of me. Yeah. The last record kept being called uh, Gothic Psychedelia, and I think that's pretty spot on. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have come up with that, but but uh, also if people show up to see 
Cat Casual, mm-hmm. the musician, after just watching Cat Casual, the DJ, <laughs> that might be an upsetting experience. For so. sure. <laughs> I mean, that's why you had different monikers, I guess. Some people do. Yeah, yeah. I've tried to be more economic about it, but yeah, it might uh-huh. backfire. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'd like to talk about like what, what's the, what song would you like us to, I guess, play for the audience right now? Um, there's a song on the last record called the one that kind of was, you know, it, it was released just ahead of COVID, mm-hmm. bought a van, <laughs> ready to go. Damn. And, uh, it got shut down. So how the record was absorbed, absorbed subsequently was a very slow sort of crawl because it wasn't really getting promoted or anything. Right. So it was funny to watch the initial singles kind of like, yeah. And then other ones kind of rise to the top, like people seem to like that more. And a song that I'm really proud of, because it is a little outside the pack, is called a, a Glorious Life. It's a result of maybe more popular stuff that I'm into, mm-hmm. like uh, XTC, um, uh, Smiths, things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Big Star in particular. So that's a song I'm especially proud of, because it's definitely kind of marks a change and things you know, as far as songwriting goes. Awesome. Let's uh, play it. So, so we just listened to uh, Glorious Life by Cat Casual. I, tell us about the whole process of writing that song. Yeah, that was it, it, because it was uh, it's a little more on the poppy sort of end. The record really starts out pretty brooding and rocking and kind of in an abstract way. It's really in hindsight, I kind of see what was happening, but definitely some frustrations where I was at and where I just came from and such. So it gets the record gets a little more optimistic as it goes even though that song is very cynical in a way. It was definitely stems from, you know, growing up uh, basically poor working class in Oklahoma and stuff. It's really hard, and seems people had it a lot worse. Uh, that saying of things, you know, everything happens for a reason and stuff like that really irks me. It, it it's, makes me a little nauseous mm-hmm. because it's it's that's a whole other conversation. But the song kind of started there, but I wanted to make a, almost like a an inspirational song around defying that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> so with that, it was the idea, and it doesn't always go this way, which was the idea for the song came first. And then um, once a few lines were there, I started kind of messing with some chords mm-hmm. um, and finding what key it's in. And then, then there's almost what I would consider novelty ideas. Like, I always wanted to do that in a song. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the one. And so I did that with this one. And then once it's, and, you know, God bless the people who back me up. And every time, you know, there's been a lot of lineup changes. Um, and I really like that, too, because that could be a real shot in the arm mm-hmm. sometimes. But I can't even fully recall. It's usually like this. I bring in a song, and they all just kind of look at me like, I don't know. And whatever. Wait, wait, wait. Just hear me out. <laughs> yeah. It is a lot of that. And then uh, as they start like going in, and, and, and I remember mm-hmm. 
playing it, and one of them saying, well, I mean, what kind of drum beat should that be? And uh, I was like, well, thinking kind of like Big Star or something, where it's, you know, somewhere between Ringo and Bonham, I guess, or, and, uh, which, you know, probably makes no sense. But, uh, <laughs> but then uh, once, I think once the, the earworm sort of part kind of starts resonating, mm-hmm. that's when they're like, well, maybe this is all right. And then that one turned out to be one of the favorites. Mm-hmm. So, but I also don't have a real like set process. I think um, there isn't a prevalent way where mm-hmm. some people, sometimes the music comes first, sometimes it's a line I like mm-hmm. or an idea. So, it's but, but like, is it always just like you writing it like on your own and then just at having people add on to it as it goes? Yep. Uh, and that's the way it's always been. This EP is going to be a little different that I'm going to record soon because the uh, synthesizer player, Robert Ross, our terror boss, as we call him, which is, you know, um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's been such uh, an asset and a friend and everything. And so that was a way of, maybe breaking up the monotony or the process, shaking this process up, which is all right with Rob some because he's he's real poppy in his sensibilities, although he's kind of like a synth punk kind of guy. Has a really great like synth punk band called Sump Pumps. It's been around for forever, but you know, they're all they're all pretty responsible grown up people, which I cannot relate to. <laughs> and have real jobs and spouses. Right. Some of them have even procreated. Ah. And uh They've multiplied. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There'll be little sump pumps before too long. Uh, band. But uh, I wanted to, if anything, like I, I do love what he does. And I appreciate what he brings to, sometimes my songs can be a little void of uh, a hook or a, synth, or, mm. or a pop element. Mm-hmm. That's started to change over the last few years, but he always has that. Like he can find that in these brooding songs mm-hmm. that I have sometimes. And, and is that like a personal choice? Or is it just like you, you're just not wired no, that yeah, way? It just comes out that way because yeah. I, I would, I'm not opposed to writing songs that people like love and, mm-hmm. and right. <laughs> but uh, it's, you're it's not a, trying to make bad music. I'm not trying to make bad music. <laughs> it just happens sometimes. You know? But, uh, but Rob, Rob is really gifted in that area. Right. And uh, he's, uh, so we're going to, this EP's, uh, I want to call it the Terror Boss EP. Mm-hmm. Is like, especially since I'm, we're not going to be working with these guys because I'll be in New York all the time again, and uh, so we'll do that. But uh, I'm looking forward to it because it will be a completely different experience. There's, you can, you can start to. On one hand, it's nice to get comfortable with the process of recording, but on the other hand, when you've done it so many times, you're like, how special can that be? Right. So I'm pretty into getting as in, in my old my advanced years my old age um i kind of li- i like getting nervous because mm-hmm. i never get nervous about anything anymore right. <laughs> and so it does make me a little nervous that these are going to be you know kind of different songs we've i don't know if we've done we've done one of these songs that you know i wrote and then i had him write a middle part for mm-hmm. we've done that live but the rest of them have never been played live and yeah i'm, I'm anxious to just to change up the process a little more sure. in a different way with with yeah. these guys. There's a saying: um, "Old whores don't giggle much," and uh, I might have made that up, but uh, it's, that's a pretty good. You should uh, trademark that. I, th- I think Hunter Thompson actually said yeah. it. I think about it. There are some sayings I, I said that on social media recently. If I've ever said there's a saying in Oklahoma and say something that's slightly uh, upsetting, uh-huh. 
there's a good chance that I made it up. I just I'm cloaking it. I'm deflecting. That, that's the way to do it, though. I'm deflecting the, there you the go. blame somehow. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, like, I, and you've also done, you know, work for like short films and, and Broadway productions. I mean, you you sort of well off off Broadway, off, off Broadway. but but still, like, it, you you've sort of attacked it at like different you know angles and that's and that's definitely again that yearning to like uh, that's different scary and i don't know how to do it Mm -hmm. so i'll either bullshit my way into it and like see what happens Uh and what's funny about that is i've never really had a disaster as far as that goes where it's never just like what is this if anything i remember doing a short film a bit of music up here with uh, a really incredibly talented guy named David Lackner. Mm-hmm. He has a, a label called Galta Tapes, plays with uh, Blue Jazz TV. He's just one of the most talented people I ever met. And we did the short film together, and he's more of a computer brain. Mm-hmm. I'm so uh, primitive, it's it's not even funny. Um, working together was, was fun and great, and then, but also we just, did this over like two days, like, you know, did the mm-hmm. stuff and sent it to the director. And she came back with, I thought you would have ideas in like two weeks. Right. But we didn't know any better. Uh-huh. We thought, you gotta hurry up and get this done. <laughs> and uh, she was totally happy with it. Right. But again, our uh, naivety can be such a gift sometimes. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, yeah. I hope she didn't pay you less. What's it? I, I hope she didn't pay you <laughs> less because of that. <laughs> if she did, I blocked it out. <laughs> No, man. I mean, like, you've done a lot, and it's sort of like, I don't know, it's it's really good to see, you know, someone who's, like, has a love for music and has been able to, like, do that for as long as you have. It's, um, well, thank you. Uh, that, that does mean a lot to me because it is all where, if this year taught me anything, it's like when you can't do it, oh, shit. I mean, it's <laughs> just like... I, I can't even function, yeah. and, uh, and that's where you know mental health issues come into play and stuff like that. Where so you got even better music, right? You'd think. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, if a fortune teller could have told me the year before, you're going to have a year off, you can't work, you can't go anywhere, or whatever, my brain would have went to, I'll write the masterpiece or something, <laughs> and not, you know, and again, that naivety of, no, it, it kind of depends on you being with people and mm-hmm. going places, and I can't even... Uh, it, it's been hard to read books even mm-hmm. it's strange you know when you should have all the time now to yeah. do that it, it was more like a procrastination year yeah it kind of does feel that way because cool. it, we, we all thought like yeah it's going to be over in like a couple weeks and like eh, next month eh. yeah, right. and then just, there was a lot of wait and see yeah. and then just have, never having anything like that in many many generations mm-hmm. and no one really knew what to do and I think that was you know maybe that is it where it's just you're always thinking it's either going to be over soon or, you know, so there's no, no, no reason to get all you know any urgency behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I ended up just doing nothing for the most part for the past year, except live streams. <laughs> so. Hey, maybe uh, if you get lucky, uh, Tracy Short's going to call you back and be like, "Hey, I want another song." <laughs> oh Lord, it's funny, you know, because when you. They do that stuff, and then they start rerunning them in a different country or uh-huh. something. And and I was wondering, like, is is this gonna? Are they gonna really? What I learned is other countries mostly I don't think like that show. Like they can't even get on board with it for <laughs> <laughs> like for yucks. Yeah. It's just like that's why we hate that country. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> to be fair, 
Everyone hates New Jersey. <laughs> I, I really love the, you know, I make as many Jersey jokes as anybody, but uh, in, you know, I'm from Oklahoma yeah. originally, so it's Oklahoma, Texas mm-hmm. there. Lived in Louisville off and on over the years. It's Louisville or Kentucky, Indiana there. Yeah. And uh, I love just, uh, people get really mad about it, mm-hmm. but I, it's, it's always just for humor for me. But, but I, I kind of like that sort of competitive, uh, uh, Especially, maybe I, I just like insults more than yeah, I no, want to admit. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100. <laughs> but I think, I, and I saw like an article or, or something like the most hated state in the states is Jersey. Uh, I could see that. Yeah, though. yeah. What, what are they have redeeming? Uh, I remember one time, and uh, one of my songwriting heroes, and who I played with, Shilpa Ray. She's from uh-huh. New Jersey, so it was always fun to kind of make fun of <laughs> New Jersey when I had very little. Like even experience in New Jersey, I've hard. I don't think. But you don't have to know it to hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I take like a train ride through there and and check in the Jersey towns and name Mm -hmm. and like that don't exist, like you know, Rat Stink, New Jersey, (laughs) to uh, you know, to wish it was New York, (laughs) New Jersey, (laughs) things like that. But she she did appreciate that kind of humor. But (laughs) (laughs) so the way I like to end these interviews off at is like how do you feel like just being in new york city has like changed you as either like a person or as an artist how how has new york city changed you um you know just the last couple days and i do think part of it is the momentum of coming out of the pandemic and stuff Mm -hmm. where sitting on your hands for so long and then i've just i love hustling i sometimes i i can't believe i did the things i've done basically by bullshitting or something where whether it's, you know, there was a year or two where my second income was uh, curating playlists and hotel lobbies because I just basically trumped up something I'd done at another hotel and then right. someone, and they didn't really know any better. So they'd be like, Oh, well maybe we want you to do that here. And then I think after about two years, it's like, why are we paying this guy yeah. to do this? And, and I love the you know, TV extra work on days off uh-huh. to whatever it is. that It's this, this, uh, Con, you know, it, it's this condensed environment of uh, so much going on and so many people from all over and, like I said earlier, the intersection to the, uh, the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming from a place where the world is very small, I mean, not to say that there are some very good people, and I was just reminded of that very recently in Oklahoma, but, um, but some people just can't imagine anything outside of their city limits. And that's where it becomes problematic with in cases of politics and racism and stuff like that because they're just scared Mm -hmm. of what they don't know Mm -hmm. but um i had to get out and and new york is just one of those places that's always inspired me i'm not a very um i'm pretty secular and i'm not very you know Mm woo-woo-y and stuff yet Mm -hmm. i do get a bang out of having this physical tangible place where Mm -hmm. so much has happened and the music that has moved and inspired me to have totally been the dork that would find an address where Tom Verlaine and Richard Hell wrote television songs or, you know, somewhere else mm-hmm. that's, you know, or someplace that's just totally, totally lame now, but right. that's where this, you know, yeah. this grocery store is where these shows were. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I love that. And it's mm-hmm. inspiring, but also that it's always changing. People always complain about the changes, but the history of New York, it's ever changing. Yeah. And, um, and and I welcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be you know the money element and stuff like that, and, and 
But I feel that sort of adds to the experience almost. Of it like adds, being absolutely. It adds York. to the urgency to work. Yeah. It uh, also, like, you want to, like, I'm also pretty uh, contrarian in a lot of ways. So it's like, yeah, I want to I wanna beat the assholes. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that sustains me. You know, if I could, if I could make people like that fail, you know, no, no, I'm saying, no, if I could just, if I could do all right, and and that's all I I like to make art and uh, share with people and, and, you know, when you do a song and it's out, it's kind of, in my mind, it's less mine because otherwise it wouldn't leave my room or something. So uh, that's why Jersey Shore takes a song. I didn't write it for Jersey Shore. Mm -hmm. You know, the band didn't at the time. But um, what am I going to do? Stand at the record store door and like, you know, little buddy with a backwards ball cap, yeah. you can't buy that record. Or, you know, <laughs> it's, that's ridiculous. So it's less mine. And mm-hmm. I like that because it's, it's, you're gifting it or subjecting it <laughs> to people. And, um, but as far as New York goes, it's just, uh, these past couple of days have just been kind of like that. I, I talked to you earlier after mm-hmm. here, I'm going to go see an old friend, Shazad Ismaili, who's one of the most wonderful, talented people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And we talked last night for the first time in years and, and it was just a reminder how much I love this place. Right. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you, and, and thank you so much for coming. Oh, on. I thank really you so much. It. I really appreciate being asked. Awesome. Thanks for. Living.